Hello, and welcome to We Bought a Mic, Game of Thrones, Instant Reactions. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And it's just the two of us. No Harry, no Lee this time. Um, but yeah, we're here. Game of Thrones, Season 8, Episode 4. We're talking. Looks like there's no title out I have, yet. I have one title. Uh, the Last of the Starks is the title. The Last of the Starks? Yeah. What that's is a, who is the, the last of the Starks? Well, I mean, it, now that cat's out of the bag now about John, yeah, he is a Targaryen, like full blown. There, like Bran is technically the last male Stark that's left. I guess that's who it's referring to. That's kind of weird because Bran's not a big part of this episode. Bran does very little. I was honestly wondering if we we're gonna get more into Bran here. Um, I guess we can just go through. Where this episode starts off, um, it's a big party. Yeah, celebrating before we before we even get into the plot of this episode. What did you think overall? I I mean, my immediate reaction is to think that it was a phenomenal episode. Uh, there's some things that you know don't work quite as good as they could. Um, there was a lot of ups and downs, a lot of really triumphant moments, and then a lot of really heartbreaking moments as well and for the most part i think they executed them pretty incredibly uh i don't think it's a flawless episode there's some things that i'm kind of pissed about but i gotta say it's it was a it was a really excellent episode overall i am i agree with the sentiment this might be my favorite episode the season so far um the the no nutter, offense, all no the offense to Sapochnik yeah. and what he was doing with the big battle scene that we got last week, but just this episode gave me what I like about the show the most, which is just these character moments. We got some signature so stuff here, that's, like we that's got pretty much all it is, and we got payoffs, but it wasn't like fan servicey payoffs. There are things that like we've been almost expecting to happen and they were handled in an amazing way like look at jamie and brianne that was such an amazing moment that they had Oof. together and we were cheering for it too. yes we were and like at their moment towards the end like i was literally heartbroken like i almost teared up a little bit so like, this where is, it goes this is one of my gripes i don't think i don't think i like that decision of having jamie go back to kings to king's landing and it, it makes sense that it's like yeah he can't quit cersei he's he's always going to be attached to her no matter what but i really thought that jamie had made it to another place in his story that he could be happy with brienne and not feel the need to miss cersei and to want to go back to her i really wanted that for him i, I wanted, wanted so bad i wanted it but it's an abusive relationship that we're watching at this point. Like it truly is like, that's why it's almost, it, it wouldn't be fair to say that this is like, we have to think back. Cersei pre this episode is the only woman who Jamie has ever loved, which is a crime for Nicholas Coster because he is just a hunk in this show. Oh yeah. The, the fact that he's the only person he's ever fucked is his sister. But like that, he is just so drawn to her. And I almost think that it works on two levels. That one, he's drawn to her. And two, it's the line that they have 
right whenever he's driving off, wherever he says something along the lines of like, well, she's a killer. And I realize like, uh, she's hateful and I'm also hateful. And yes, he's going back to her, but also it could mean like he's hateful towards her for how much pain that she's caused. And he can't let her get away with it. I think that it could be, it could work on two levels where like it's meant to be portrayed as something as like, oh, he just can't quit this. He's got to go back to this toxic thing. But also it could be like, He's hateful towards her, and he knows that he's going to die by going back there, but he's willing to do whatever it takes to try and kill her. Yeah, I I was just so happy to see them together. It was such a touching scene, it, and like humorous too, with only having one arm to take off his shirt, and, and she has to help him. <sighs> it, was just, it was, it was so, great. so heartfelt and beautiful. It was one of the standout moments of the That's episode. That's just the new key that you have to do whenever you have to walk into somebody's house if you're trying to pick them up. Just be like, man, it's so toasty in here and just start taking <laughs> off your shirt. So there's there's a lot that this is a meaty episode. So this let's, a great Danny ep. Because so, this yeah. shows all of the layers of Danny. We see good Danny right off the bat with her choosing to like um turn like Gendry who has always been a bastard his entire life into a lord and make him a lord and it's a power make move. him a true Baratheon it's and like it's... don't you dare challenge my fucking crown well it's yeah no it's genius and that's why it's one of those things and she even has the line towards Tyrion right at the end of that scene where she's just like like uh, she's like oh man that's a very smart move and she's yeah. like you're not the only like person who's like you're not the only wise person who's here exactly. like she has learned so much about how to actually run this shit mm-hmm. but she also has her moments where we know that she can be very reactive which is what something that both Tyrion and now Varys now that the cat's out of the bag about John's heritage yeah let me let me jump in the scenes with Tyrion and Varys were some of the best stuff in here because I I I love I realize that that's one of the best dynamics mm. of any characters is Tyrion and, and Varys. And the if you if you think back, at least in my opinion, some of the best moments of this show have just been conversations between Tyrion and Varys. Yeah, no, I mean because <laughs> they've been together just think back, they've been together since like season one. Yeah. Like since they just were just the, in King's Landing, just the both working of under Tywin and uh, the whole Baratheon yeah. slash Lannister rule. They've always kind of been together and then they were reunited under Daenerys's wing. No pun intended. <laughs> her, her now one wing that she has <laughs> to oh, cover them. Oh my God. So that's the, possibly a bigger death than any death that happened last Rhaegal. episode. Pour one out for Rhaegal, guys. Rhaegal. Man, that was, that was shocking truly shocking it cut to black right there and it felt like it was right at the hour mark that we're just like all right it's gonna cut to black and then we'll catch back up next episode and then the show kept on going we got like a little mini action sequence there and a nice little callback to season one where Tyrion gets knocked out and we just miss the battle because it's like back in season one they just didn't have the money to shoot a a large-scale battle so that it kind of doing the same thing as like a a, a nod but also because you know, they just spent the entire last <laughs> episode of the show doing a massive, massive battle sequence. But and we're probably gonna get another pretty huge battle sequence next episode. Yeah, it's another Sapochnik cap. Um, I'm excited for that just because of all of the setup that was done this episode. It was really like 
half the episode was let's have this party in Winterfell. Let's get drunk. Let's get trashed. Let's all just celebrate the fact that we defeated the White Walkers and the Night King. And then the second half of the episode was let's get everyone to, to King's Landing. Let's get all of the pieces set that we need for this final confrontation against Cersei. And I just, like, I love this. I mean, like I said, like, this has the character beats about the show that, like, always brings me back to it. Why it's the best, why it's one of the best shows on TV, and it has been for a long time, is because it has, it's able to balance very intimate, dramatic moments in this fantasy world. And, I mean, it also goes back to something that we were talking about last week. Like, yeah, the Night King's dead and all this kind of shit, but the Night King isn't really that interesting. He's literally, like, a mute supervillain that embodies evil. This is where the show has always been interesting. Like, it's always been in just kind of the inner workings of trying to... These families vying for power together. That's really where the show has always thrived. But it it seemed that the writers were pointing us in this direction to make us think that all of that magical mystical mythology was important yeah i mean i'm not gonna lie i mean it seems like there should have been more meat on that bone there that before we just completely discarded it and i mean maybe part of this stuff will come back we do see Arya and the hound back at it again just give me an entire season of them just journeying to fucking king's landing together yeah, that's with that's all a good game bowl setup right there clegane bowl and all Arya's going with her. Arya might be able to get to Cersei first. Arya can sneak through those crowds. Like, we've seen Arya yeah. with her superpowers, what she can do. She could fucking kill death good, itself. Good moment with Gendry. Yeah, uh, that was a great moment where she says, like, I'm never going to be a lady. Like, it was well, a he very declares real... his love. He's, like, kneeling before her, like, please, I love you. And she kisses him back because, I mean, you can tell, like, she does love and care about Gendry, too. Mm-hmm. But that's not who she is. She isn't right. somebody who's just supposed to be a lady. She's not a... no one. Yeah. She is Arya Stark. Yeah. And, I mean, now that everybody's not, I'm still really wondering what Bran's doing in the last in the next couple episodes. Yeah, he doesn't have much to do I here. I was hoping that we were going to get a little bit more of him doing stuff. There is one line where he says something. Um, somebody asked him about, like, something that he's doing and he says uh something along the lines of just like oh i spent most of my time living in the past which mm-hmm. does kind of validify the theory that he can't see into the future that he can only see into the present and the past yeah. that um he doesn't really know what's going to happen he's just trying to be the history book of the world and part of history is that like you can't tell the future that's not what history is it's about knowing everything that there is about the past and detailing it and i'm interested to know if that's going to come back up or i mean and we only have two episodes left so like how much time we're we gonna have left with these peripheral things versus the main central conflict which is john and Derry versus cersei and more importantly john versus danny that was th- this episode devoted so much of its time to the fallout of uh danny and john finding out about each other and kind of like the whole yeah you mentioned earlier the whole secret thing and how it's not even a secret anymore and more and more people are finding out about it but that seems like it's going to be the core conflict here and obviously we get this really really tragic moment at the very end of the episode with Missandre being fucking 
beheaded. If you had, shout out to whoever had Masande's death over Grey Worm pre the last episode. Oh, someone. Because you just cashed in. (laughs) You just cashed in on that because nobody expected Grey Worm to survive. That was a brutal moment. Brutal moment. And and now Danny, just so many things are leading to her breaking down her defenses and going full mad queen between John having a legitimate claim to the throne and his reluctance to keeping it a secret and willingness to share it with his family who then share it with whoever they share it with. I mean, you know, Bran's not going to care <laughs> to tell anyone and Arya is whatever about it, but Sansa already told Tyrion, Tyrion already told Varys, like you said earlier. So yeah, cat's out of the bag that's going to start to spread and then internally their relationship there's that moment where they're they're kissing they're trying to get intimate and john just can't do it he can't bring himself to to look at her in the same way because that's his aunt that's his aunt so i mentioned to this to you right after the episode but um it's something that i've really been thinking about last week because i mean overall i think we were both really positive on last week's episode that we both really enjoyed it but there I mean, are plenty there was, of gripes there are pl- there of course i mean there's plenty of gripes with the actual editing itself but a lot of people are complaining about the death toll and one thing about this episode that made me appreciate it more than like people expecting everybody to die in this grand battle is that that's not where deaths have ever taken place in game of thrones with ma- major characters have never died in battle they die when they're shitting on the toilet. Yeah. Like, that's where the show thrives. And I almost that's found... That's why it's shocking. I found Masande's death to be almost more effective than any of the deaths that we saw last week. Even something like Jorah, who's a character who I really care about, is just seeing something like that, that you don't expect it, that it catches you off so off guard that you're just see a beheading that's so brutal. Especially like that, because that... When, when, they bash, when they wash up on the beach... And Grey Worm's like screaming her name. We think in that moment that she's dead. So it's kind of like already. And then you see her again and you're like, okay, uh, she's not dead. Yes. Okay. Like that's what this show has always done best is that it catches you off guard. The deaths come when you least expect it at a wedding, for example. Like that's, that's where the show has always had its most. Well, when she's, when she's at the top of that wall and she's like on the edge of it, you're thinking like, oh fuck. This is yeah. they're putting her literally at the precipice, at the edge of death. You know, she's standing there. But I thought part of me thought that Tyrion was gonna get hit with one of those arrows. I was worried you know? too. I... After seeing Rhaegal get fucking shot down and right out of the sky, I was thinking, Oh my god, are we about to see Tyrion? Die? I was kind of uh I was praying that this didn't happen, but I thought that uh Kyburn was gonna like put himself in front of Tyrion and kill both of them. We were gonna lose are two most effective characters in the show in Kyburn and Tyrion. You can we, argue over who's more important. It's Kyburn, but we, it's uh, fine. We got a great Kyburn moment there when Tyrion's like, yeah, I don't want to hear the screams of burning women and children. And Kyburn's like, yeah, those are, that's a terrible sound. <laughs> and and Tyrion like, what gives is a him good sound look. to you, Kyburn? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you fucking monster. <laughs> Yeah, and it, just the shot of Kyburn like walking I actually, out. Into I think the that Kyburn likes the screams of children and women and innocence. Well, yeah, that's kind of what we get from it. You know, he doesn't he doesn't explicitly say that he doesn't he, that he doesn't like to hear that. He's like, yeah, that's just it's not a pleasant sound. I've been developing this technology that lets me record sound, and I've been really <laughs> wanting to capture this sound. So if we could get that. 
Kyber's, Kyber's going to start a podcast. I'm really worried about what's going to happen next episode because of where we leave off. Masande, her last words are Dracaris. Like, basically telling Daenerys to just burn it all to the ground, which is the last thing that she needs to hear. Oof. Because... I mean, we have this these great, great moments between Tyrion and Varys, like you were talking about, where like Varys is kind of seeing the seams to this and is like, hey, yo, like there's a better option here. Like we just have to go there. But Tyrion is he's already flipped sides once. He doesn't want to flip sides again. And he had to sacrifice everything. He had to sail across the fucking narrow seas to get out of this. And it's not just about flipping sides. It's not even about sides. It's about Varys just makes great point after great point that, first of all, Daenerys is volatile. She's unpredictable. Which Tyrion has seen firsthand with him burn with her burning dick on in front we, of his eyes against his. We don't wagon. know uh, how ruthless she can be. I mean, we've seen her murder people mercilessly, but we don't know what else she is willing to do given the circumstances, and things aren't looking too great for her right now. And also, there's. The fact that John is just more beloved, more like the more people gravitate towards him, and it's it's something that they saw in Essos with Danny, you know, as she was freeing people, but they haven't seen that in ever since they sailed to Westeros. Well, that's because she was always she like she perfectly embodied the underdog, and now that she's no longer the underdog, like people are starting to see the whole seams are plan. I mean, it kind of goes back to this classic idea in fantasy and mythology of the um the reluctant hero like think about harry potter like harry never wanted to have to kill voldemort he didn't want to have these powers but he had leadership thrust upon him like that's always been a thing look at frodo and lord of the rings like this has always been a common thing in fantasy and in mythology these are things that are kind of explicitly stated in these conversations between Tyrion and Varys, where they talk about destiny and they talk about how uh, Daenerys embraces her destiny because she was reborn from the flames mm-hmm. with her dragons. And, you know, you of course you could say that Harry Potter was destined to defeat Voldemort and Frodo was destined to uh, burn the ring in Mordor. That Of course that's, that's part of these heroes' destinies, but again, Varys just makes a great point that tyrants talk about their own destinies all the time in his own experience serving under them look at stannis yeah stannis was the prince who was promised he was azora high exactly. as he saw it like- exactly and 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 then there's the also going back to john the point about how maybe he's destined because he's reluctant and because he doesn't want it and and again varus states that uh blatantly when he says that the fact that he doesn't want the throne actually makes him more suited for it. So I just think that those scenes, they don't take up too much of the episode, but they're so key to kind of the bigger picture. And there's another point that Varys hits about how uh, at the end of the day, when he says that he serves the realm, he's talking about all of the millions of people who just are living their daily lives and aren't engaging in, in these battles and these wars and these epic showdowns that we see on the show. He is fighting for the common people and their interests and whether or not they're going to have food on the table, depending on who's sitting on this Iron Throne. So I, I think that that sentiment, even though we don't see that on the show, it's a great like recontextualization of what the stakes are. Uh, as far as like 
you know, various. That's not to say that those are these are the stakes for every. But he's major the ambassador player. for the common man in this show. Not just the common man, but like kind of just the one who always is closest to the the right path or the closest thing to it. You know, he's the most kind of uh, unswayed by power and and you know greed and riches and all of this all of these things that we see on this show so he's a good sort of compass to follow and i i really i i didn't know until this episode that i love varus so much, much. Varys. i just those scenes with him and Tyrion, and Tyrion, just think this about varus had the same had the same position as kyburn at one point yeah so um this was a great Tyrion episode too mm-hmm. i think that the the speech that he gives to cersei at the end is amazing and just seeing him like run around like crazy on that ship as it's being shot down and then jumping in the water just ah oh, peter dinklage just he has he, been kind of sidelined. Needed, he's needed a good ep like this. Yeah. He's been either sidelined or just making stupid decision after stupid decision for yeah, the this last was a season or so. Great episode for him. Um, but I think he might be my MVP this episode. I love Varys, but I th- it's hard to say. I think I think I don't know, Gwendolyn Christie, her reaction to seeing Jamie how leave. About, how about Euron Greyjoy? He fucking took down one of the two dragons that she had left. He's so despicable. I hate him. I I hate him. him And that's why I almost, (laughs) I like, I have to just admire him is because he's now taken over the Night King's role where I just like, I fucking hate this dude and I want to see him die. He has to die. Like, he's just, he's so despicable. That kind of leads me to one of my theories of things that's going to happen is that I think that we're going to see Cersei is going to claim to the realms and everything else that she's pregnant with Euron's baby, with Jamie knowing that that's her child. Mm-hmm. And this is now going to be the fourth child that Jamie has had with Cersei that she is just denying as his kid. Even though she told him that they would say it was his. Yeah, and I think that that's going to be the thing that sets him over the over the edge. He'll try to kill her, maybe he's successful, maybe Clegane will kill him, and then we're going to reach Clegane Bowl, Ooh. which... The stills for next week, um, they were just stills. There was literally no dialogue before for the preview oh for next God. week's episode. I'm just almost photos. wondering if we're going to get <laughs> like funny. another long ep like this where maybe Cersei will fall, maybe she'll be at the end of her run, and then the final episode is just going to be John versus Danny. Because if oh so, God, just two left. I'm so on board with this. Like, fuck the Night King. This is where the show thrives is with actual characters with their own motivations. Like, that, that's I'm so why, much happier that this is where we're ending. This. That's why this episode was so good, I think, because they they took last week to sort of just put a, a bow around all of the magic. All the stuff. existential shit. Yeah. You know, uh, because even um, Melisandre, she died, too. So it's there's really the only mystical person left is Bran, and kind of Arya with her skills from taking yeah. the face. And I'm of sure other people. there's going to be a, another big like faceless episode or moment for her. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get at least one yeah. uh, face. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that you know there's there's a lot of things to be said about last week. We we spent a lot of time kind of 
deciding whether or not it was a, a technical issue or an artistic choice for all of the confusion and the chaos of the battle. Uh, but ultimately, when it just came to the story, um, we realized that we were kind of in over our head in terms of how much we thought that the show was invested in all of that mythological shit. And I that just comes with a show as big as this and all of the time that you invest in theorizing about everything and reading and listening mm -hmm. and and just digging so deep into it that sometimes you just have to take a step back and be like, well, what does the show itself present that actually serves all of these theories uh, and the prophecies and all of this shit that, that we build discussions around? Personally, I think it, maybe there's a little bit of both. There's a little bit of overanalyzation and theorizing. And also there's a little bit of kind of... Uh, reluctance on the writer's parts to sort of cash all of that and, and deliver on all of that you know I think maybe we were strung out a little bit on all of that and they didn't quite deliver on it um, but that's just me I'm I'm happy overall that they kind of put the pin on that kind of ended that last week and we get these final three episodes to see what happens next um, but if there, there's just a part of me that wishes that we could inject a little bit more mysticism into this. But I'm, I'm still glad w about what we got. I'm still happy with this version of the show that kind of sidelines all of that shit. And it's like, okay, let's just back to basics, people in rooms, uh, talking, yeah. and, and more grounded action. It's like I kind of have a couple of things because since last week's episode, I've been really deep diving on – kind of the book lore and what's been going on there is no night king in the books that's like a completely a showmate fragment and like while a lot of people are quick to turn against benioff and weiss for some of the like people saying off the saying that a lot of the writing has dropped off and everything in the last few seasons since they've taken over i just want to remind everybody season five the worst season of this show those are based off of books that George R. R. Martin wrote himself, which remember what happens in that season. It's literally Arya being a faceless man for the entire season, which goes on way too long. And Sansa getting raped by, um, Ramsey uh, by Ramsey. That's what happens. And those are things that are from the books. The best thing that happens in that season is hard home, which is something that never actually happens in the books. It happens, but the character, the main characters don't experience it. Yeah. Exactly. It's reference. It's the best thing that we actually see in the show is something that is just a reference yeah. off in the books. And all of so the like, White Walker stuff in the books is like in the margins. It never comes It is something – yeah, and that's why it's something forefront. that's like – it's weird that they decided to spend so much like time develop like hinting at this larger narrative that was going to be there. But at the same time, it also – it reset the playing field in an interesting way because, I mean, think about it. What, what Danny had pre that battle, she could have just gone in there and like fucked up everything in King's Landing. But she got like all of the Dothraki are gone, half of the um, all of um, Grey Worms Unsullied. peoples, all of the Unsullied are gone. She lost so many people in Jorah. battle. Half of the North Jorah's gone. She lost so many people in that battle 
that it kind of resets the playing field in an interesting way. That and if anything, it fuels now that maybe rage now maybe Cersei might have the upper hand here. That it it it, it did an interesting job for at least what we're looking at in the chessboard of this show going forward. Yeah. And I mean, you, you made a point earlier about Sansa um, and kind of where her arc uh, stalled a little bit with the Ramsey stuff. But we get a great payoff in this episode to that when she tells the Hound, like, all of that horrible shit I went through made me stronger. That was a great moment because I've thought about that before, about like if he if she would have just gone with the hound whenever he offered to like help her escape and didn't go out there with uh the Tully the Tarleys, which eventually led her to um Littlefinger and all this kind of stuff, then she would not have been the situation that she's in. But it did make her stronger. Just like Arya going on this grand journey has made her stronger. It eventually did pay off. Just like Tyrion was in the right place at the Earth um Theon was in the right place at the right time whenever they needed him. It was the same thing for Sansa that like she wouldn't be the Lady of Winterfell if she didn't go through all that shit. Yeah, and I think the the big takeaway from all this that we're saying is that I think the writers, uh, Benioff and Vice, I th- I think they are a little bit. I mean, think about how difficult it is to make this fucking show, the biggest show ever. It's probably near impossible. And then to add to that, the fact that you had to start by adapting these books and then turn it into something different that you have to make your own, that's a whole nother level of difficulty. So I I think that they were stuck in this weird place where they had set themselves up for a certain direction for where the story was going to go and then decided that they probably had to shift things a little bit to you know race toward that finish line but also not undo everything that had come before so it's this re- it's like a rock in a hard place where yeah. they where they're at where there are these setups there are these things that they chose to approach that were in straight out of the books but then when the show changed they couldn't just do a hard left and completely change everything so things like the wall coming down right that's not something that has happened in the books yet but narratively speaking it was telegraphed that way we knew that that was something that was probably going to happen how was it going to happen the Night King gets a dragon on his side to take the wall down. Well, how is he going to get that dragon? Mm. And then we get these episodes that are some of the worst episodes of the show, but they are kind of the the showrunner sort of like trying to pay off these plot points as best as they can because they feel it necessary to get the night king a dragon to get that dragon to take down the wall to then have the army have their final confrontation at winterfell and have this big epic battle where they hold winterfell so i think it took a little too long to get there but i just feel like they they were kind of stuck you know Mm -hmm. And and I don't want to fault them too much for that because we still, even though some of the episodes along the way were we we really didn't like them, I really like where we are now. Yeah, no, I mean I think that they actually they I think that they reached a point um, starting in season six whenever they had to just take over full control of writing where they decided to instead of treat this like an adapted screenplay, treat this like a television show and say hey. 
not every episode's going to be a home run. <laughs> but it's going to pay itself off in the yeah. end. And, like, this makes me want to go back and revisit season seven. Like, this makes me want to go back and watch some of those things because narratively they have paid off. And I like where we're at now because think about where, like, towards the beginning of the season where we were theorizing they were going to be was that they were going to lose the Battle of Winterfell and then they were yeah. going to have to get Cersei on her side. How much does that seem unbelievable to Cersei's character that she'd just be like, oh, well, shit, I guess the dead are real yeah. now, and now I'm going to join your fight. She already saw the dead last season, and she didn't change her mind. What's going to change now that they're coming to ask her for help? And then like, we elongate the, the death I, of the Night King to the last episode of the show. I like that this Ugh, is the show is getting like back to its roots idea. of just like this it's getting back to a game of thrones of who is going to sit on this throne right now we have three great candidates with a few dark horses thrown in there i like where we're at right now yeah yeah um all right so let's kind of run through some of the other highlights of the episode um how about hot pod himself taking yes. two ladies to bed oh big dick pod big dick pod men uh and just that whole scene opening sequence of them everyone getting drunk torment feeling great great tonal shift in this show like yeah. where the show starts it starts very like very somber with this funeral setting and then from danny knighting oh. or not uh i guess wait lordshipping gendry the, the the moment of all of the bodies that was harrowing. Just seeing the fallout of this excellent massive makeup. They looked battle. like corpses. <laughs> yeah, just the the look. What thousands of people yeah. dead? We see all our main players that that we know died. We see Lyanna, Theon, Jorah. It was a great. Also, who lights whose uh, pyre yeah. is very important. Like we see Arya lighting Beric, both of them like honoring the Lord of Light. We see, of course, Danny lighting Jorah. We see. Um, uh, Sam lighting Ed like uh, Grey Worm lighting the... the Dothraki. Yeah, like it was. It was really you could tell they really put a lot of thought into who is going to light whose pyre yeah. in this. And they also just the the people that are living. They look fucked up. They have like bruises all yeah. over their faces. Um, and then there's this party. I really love the party. Everything there was great playing never have i ever yeah people getting (laughs) fucked up we've got the hound being moody we got Tormund being just trash being so sad that that uh (laughs) brienne doesn't want to hang out with him and then there's like kind of shocking moment where we find out brienne is a virgin that then leads to that beautiful scene was that shocking She's I mean, talked before about how like they would the boys growing up would play a game where they would pretend like they liked her and then they would like and she never fuck got with her, with, and she yeah. never actually like got anything. I I my heart just aches for I, Brienne. What oh is the name of the God. actress for Brienne? Because Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn Christie. Her like, reaction to seeing Jamie leave so good. Her <laughs> so tears. Good. Oh my. No, God. that really like. That choked me up. Like yeah. that was the most effective scene of this entire episode because I just think that her and um and Jamie's relationship they built up together, so like their chemistry is so good. Yeah. And in like not that's why a it typical rom com way, like that it is genuinely viscerally effective. Yeah. That it just works so well that I it it is heart when you see her cry, like it does make your heart break. Yeah. Um, what else we got? I think the only other thing... Oh, there was one small little thing, another Tyrion Varys moment where they're on the boat 
uh, on the way to Dragonstone. And Tyrion just mentions that it's been 20 years since Robert's Rebellion. So if we finally get kind of like a signage of how much time has passed in this show. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about like just the show itself and what's happened i don't know what how long exactly they say whenever the show begins but it feels like it's been about six years mm-hmm. since the show started like i'm basically i'm basing this off of aria's growth alone because yeah. she was like framed as like a 10 to 12 year old now she's like an 18 year old that's mm-hmm. been like six to eight years just yeah. about yeah um all right we got anything else um, I think that's it. This is a great ep. I really love this episode. Like yeah. I'm, this brought me so. I mean, it's not like I was out after the last episode. No. The last episode was great. It wasn't a bad episode. It I had really, problems, it, but it wasn't. It bad. had problems, but I do think that most of the problems we might have sounded a little bit more negative on it whenever it first came out, just because after the a beginning week, of it I was rewatched so it, negative. and it's it's still a it's an amazing technical yeah. achievement. Just what they did on a. It's really because really even a lot of the problems that I had with the lighting upon rewatch are mostly just in the first twenty minutes or so, and then whenever as soon as it moves inside the walls, then it's like, oh, this is this is yeah, all and, fine. And the choice to to have it be so dark is so that the moments of fire are so dramatic yep. in contrast. I mean, you can tell that it was definitely a choice that they made. I don't think that it was the most effective choice because it almost feels like something that I I was kind of I was thinking about this the other day about what would happen if for this show for the final season or at least for like the final couple episodes if they just like release them in theaters for oh, like one weekend only. Please. And if they put that episode in a it theater would be, yeah. it would be beautiful. Yeah. Because you're in like the right setting. You're Fully watching this immersed. on a huge projector with like four K projection. It would have looked gorgeous. Yeah. But the fact that most people are just watching this at home on their 1080p, whatever. Like yeah, it's, and the video's being compressed over streaming. Yeah, because yeah. so many people are streaming at the same time. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm excited for this, these last two episodes. I'm, we got I'm Sapochnik, so and then we have the Benioff and Weiss-directed episode left. I had one last small cr- uh, critique, but it it makes sense for her character. But I'm just still so annoyed that Danny is so, like unwilling to just chill like even if it's at the party where people are drinking or if it's in the war room while they're making their battle plans and she can't just like just slow down and kind of understand that we can't just go barging into king's landing and start fucking shit up because you're angry Uh, like there's just this this rage building inside of her that i it is informed by character because she's lost so much and she's so fed up with how much she's been through to get to this point. But I, I kind of wish that they would do a little bit more to justify that. Um, it's not a huge complaint, but one of the reasons why I'm not, I'm not super bummed about it is because we get this nice scene with Tyrion and Sansa where Tyrion approaches Sansa and kind of, tells her that she's being the one to kind of fuel the flames of Daenerys's rage a little bit by being so stubborn. Uh, and that's a great confrontation. But I, I get where Sansa's coming from. I totally get where she's coming from. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, 
I I understand your criticism, and I can't completely disagree with it. Um, it seems like kind of like a petty sort of bickering. It between is, but them. like at the same time, a lot of I mean, of course, Daenerys has not had the lows that Sansa has gone through, and she hasn't experienced the highs that um, Daenerys has experienced, but. They've kind of, their arcs have been very similar to each other. Both of them have been dragged through shit, sometimes multiple times, like by different people, whether it be through the Dothraki and then through the Dothraki again, yeah. and like stuff like that. Or with Sansa, where she has to deal with all this shit with Ramsay, and then, oh wait, Littlefinger's here to save the day. That's not any better. Like, she's had to go through all of this kind of stuff that have both shaped both of them, and it's hardened both of them, and the point about these Mad Queen vibes, they have been building for the last couple seasons, and it's making sense for them to kind of come to the surface, especially now that she's seeing her own army and people who she's very close with, like Masande, now die yeah. because of this war that she never really wanted a part of, that it's going to affect her in a way. I mean, it's we'll see where that actually is going to leave her and what is going to be the conclusion with the show, but mm -hmm. I am, I'm, I'm not disappointed. None of the character stuff, uh, leaves me wanting more. I, I, I it, maybe it leaves me wanting more, but I'm all satisfied. with I it. I think we're let, I mean, the show is continuously subverting things and maybe it's subverted more things in its earlier seasons. But if I had to predict something, I think we're being led to believe that there is there is definitely going to be some sort of confrontation between John and Danny, whether that comes in the form of a battle between the two of them and one of them kills the other. We'll see, but that's kind of where it's headed right now. And maybe we'll be subverted from that, but I think that's where we're being led to. Um, we forgot one thing, Braun. Braun yeah, with the crossbow. Right. We would be remiss if we didn't mention Braun came back. He did not kill either of his brothers. That he was did, a great he scene. He did bust Tyrion's nose. <laughs> that was a great scene. I thought he was going to fuck shit up. I really thought that he was going to I love how he to... just like strolled right in there. Yeah. It was such a Braun moment <laughs> where they're just like chilling there, just two brothers just hanging out, talking so about what stuff. So she looked then, like down and there. And he just walks in with a loaded crossbow, like just ready, like anything could happen in this scene. Fires right now. the arrow right next to there Jamie's were so head. many moments this scene where like it took my breath away where i was just sitting there on the edge of my seat just like anybody could die anything could like yeah. literally anything could happen in the scene right great. now and i mean that's that's what the show does best like mm -hmm. is in moments like that and i love that it feels i mean this is getting back to it feels like the characters are acting like themselves um, in like something that Bronn isn't like loyal to anybody. He's only loyal to himself. So he's whenever, asking for he, a better. He knows deal. that Tyrion has said through I think two different times throughout the show that like if anybody offers you a deal, I'll double it. Yeah. And then he does double it, offering him um High Garden. Offer him High Garden. Yeah. It's a lot better than the Riverlands. And then, and then we get a nice little follow up to that at uh on, on yet another Tyrion Varys moment. Uh, I think it's when they're also on the boat where Tyrion says, uh, maybe Cersei will win and we'll all die and all of our problems will be solved. That was a great, yeah. great line. Great, great Dinklage lines in this. Um, oh, last thing, Ghost. We get ghosts. We yeah, get we lots get some, of. We get farewells in this. We're probably oh, not. Yeah. We're probably not going to see Tormund again. We're probably not going to see Sam again. We're probably oh. not going to see Ghost again. At this point, 
hey, Ghost is good now. But Ghost dude, is protected. Yeah, because he, he goes, his, he goes north with, down to the south. with Tormund. Uh, I was really sad to see John just give Ghost just one last look. No pet, no like... Like, no more, no contact, just a look. I was like, John, please, come on, man. Give me a little something. But just a look, and that's it. And that that was really sad, because I want I wanted more for, from Ghost. But hey, he lived. He survived. <laughs> hey, God, we than... honestly, we didn't even know that after watching <laughs> last week's episode. This show, that's the one thing the show has disrespected more than anything, is the way that direwolves are treated. Yeah. No direwolves are getting any love. Yeah. Um, and Sam with a new baby coming, uh, and Tormund. Yeah, I, I think you're right that we may not see them again. I don't. I, I, it seemed like well, a farewell. Yeah, we'll they're see. they're all going up to Castle Black together. They're going the opposite direction. From so where Sam the is also going up north. Too? That's what I thought that it was leading to. Okay. Is that they're all just kind of heading back up there? Yeah. I mean, Sam's not a dad. Like he was already kind of a dad. Now he's like a for real dad. So. Yeah. All right, man. Well. That's it. I think we have two episodes One last left. final thought. Um, RIP to... I know that Grey Worm and Masande, they already they bought a one-way ticket to Dorne. They already booked the Airbnb, <laughs> non-refundable deposit. He was like, no, this is fine. We're both going to make this through this perfectly fine. Yikes. He's, he's out a lot of gold. He's out a lot of shillings in this world. Maybe he can take her head. <laughs> Just sitting Just there with like the a second bedroom head. Maybe I'll take Braun down there with him. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, that's been our thoughts on Game of Thrones season four, or sorry, season eight, episode four. Uh, and we'll be back next week with another big battle ep. And that'll be the penultimate episode. Back two episodes left. That's and it. That's it. Holy shit. All right. Well, hit us up, Twitter. Uh, I'm Caldernist, your Hunt Mobley. Hunt Mobley on Twitter. And yeah, let us know what you thought of this and check out more episodes of We Bought a Mic. Uh, stay safe out there. There's dragons falling from the sky. You never know when you're going to get hit with a giant, giant crossbow to the face. Hiccup did it better. Right. Goodbye. We love you. Bye bye.